Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. If you have it, say, mm-hmm. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province of the, are, are in great trouble and in disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted. Somebody say mourned, fasted, and prayed. One more time. Say I mourned, fasted, and prayed. Then it says before the God of heaven. Let's pray. Father, be with us here in these next few moments. Remove me. Place your Holy Spirit behind this pulpit. Let he that has an ear, let him hear. Father, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name. And we all said? Before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them, it's coming. Are you ready? Then you may be seated. Twenty sixteen is coming. Are you ready? How many here this morning could say you're ready for 2016? How many could say not yet? <laughs> There's a story of a, a simple pastor one time. He, was, he had lived in Kentucky. Once he had the chance to go visit the Pope at the Vatican in Italy, after traveling to the Vatican, he walked up the steps and through the halls of the opulent building where the Pope had stayed. He looked in awe of the beautiful marble floors and majestic columns. Then he came into the Pope's office and he greeted the Pope who was seated behind his desk. The Christian pastor sat nearby and they exchanged words. Then the pastor noticed a red phone sitting on the end of the desk. So the pastor asked what it was. He said, oh... That's my hotline to God, the Pope said. Whenever things get too difficult and I need to have a personal talk with God, I just give him a call. Okay, said the pastor. He said, you mind if I tried it? Not at all, the Pope responded. So the little young pastor picked up the phone, dialed the number, and sure enough, he got through to God. So he offered his respects and prayers and said he was very happy to talk to him. And then he hung up the phone after only five minutes. He was a simple pastor and didn't have much more to say to God. He then thanked the Pope for the privilege of using the special red phone. The Pope then replied, oh, that's quite all right. By the way, that'll be $75. $75, inquired the young pastor. Oh, yes, said the Pope. You know, long distance charges. It's a long way from here to God, you know. So the pastor pulled out his wallet and gave the Pope $75. Several months later, the Pope had the opportunity to visit Kentucky, and it was arranged for him to meet, to come and see the Louisville pastor there in his city. So the Pope approached the little house of the young pastor and walked through the door. He sat in the chair in front of the little table where the young pastor was pleased again to meet the Pope. They exchanged greetings, and when the Pope noticed the same kind of red phone on the pastor's table as he sat at the Vatican, the Pope then asked him what that was. The pastor replied, why, I also have a hotline to God. 
Do you mind if I use it? Asked the Pope. I really have a lot on my mind. Please do, the pastor responded. So the Pope got on the phone and got a good connection. He managed to get through to God. He offered his prayers, but then he had many things to discuss. He talked about the trouble in the Vatican, the difficulties with the priests and the legal charges of the United States and the changing attitudes of the congregation in England and Europe and, and so on. Fifteen minutes went by, then a half hour. Then finally, after nearly an hour, he was able to put the phone down. Then he said, thank you very much. I, I feel a lot better now. I had so much to talk about. By the way, how much is that going to be? The young pastor thought about it for a moment, and he said, two quarters. What? The Pope replied, surprised at how inexpensive it was. He said, why is it so cheap? The young pastor looked at him and said, why don't you know? Here, it's a local call. The moral of the story is basically saying it shouldn't cost you that much to get to God. It should only cost you two knees. That's it. That's all you have to do. And here this morning, what you and I have to understand is that God is not a far, far, far away. He's right here. He's local. He's here in an instant. That's all it takes. And some of you here this morning, it's time to make that call. Some of you, maybe this past 2015, you didn't make the call. You thought it was too expensive. You thought, well, I got to get my life right first, or, or this has to happen, or I, I, I don't speak the right way, or I don't dress the right way, or I, I don't do this the right way, so God's not going to hear me. Listen, I want you to know here this morning, in 2016, God is ready to hear you, but are you ready to call? Amen. Are you ready to make that call? See, Nehemiah's purpose here in this chapter 1 was to get into the presence of the king with the attention of the king. There was something that needed to be said to the king about the kingdom. See, Nehemiah's concern over the condition of Jerusalem had consumed him. It broke his heart. Thoughts of what was as opposed to what could be brought him to tears. It changed his lifestyle. This was not a casual concern. This was a vision in the making. So with the city in ruin, with his city in mayhem, it looked beyond repairable. Now what did Nehemiah do? What took place within his life? You know what he did? He did nothing. He didn't go devise his own vengeance. He didn't make up a reason to leave Persia. He didn't even share his own bur burden with other concerned Jews. But neither did he allow his daily responsibilities to distract him from the burden that gripped his heart. The option that he actually chose was to wait. Are you hearing me this morning? See, right away you think, okay, 2016 message, pastor's going to say, I got to get on it. I got to get on, man, I got to get on the ball. I got to get more involved. I got to get something. And actually, the message that I'm giving you right now is, wait. Wait. So wait, that, that goes against everything. No, it doesn't go against everything. It may go against what you've been doing, but it doesn't go against the word of God. Nehemiah understood if something is going to be done first, I got to wait. See, what could be and should be can't be until God is ready for it to be. I'm going to say that one more time. It took me a while to come up with that one. What could be and should be can't be until God is ready for it to be. See, what's great about the story is his vision. 
See, visions often die during a stretch of inactivity. It is discouraging to continue dreaming about something that appears to have no potential of ever happening. After a prolonged period of waiting, a vision can slip into the realm of what won't ever be. Well, you don't have the finances to finish school. That's never going to happen. Your job doesn't even allow you the flexibility to pursue your business idea. That's never going to happen. Just put it off to the side. It's never going to take place. You, you don't have enough time. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough experience. You don't have enough this. You don't have enough that. So the idea that God gave you, what happens is, eh, that's it. Don't even worry about it. It's no big deal. When in reality, if God put it inside of you, you need to learn how to do something first, and that is called wait. See, because a lot of times, right away, we get it and we treat it like a toy under a tree that we become a child on Christmas. I got to open it, and I got to play with it. So a lot of times, that's what we do with a vision from God. Okay, I got to open it, and I got to play with it right now. God says, no, 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 no. I just wanted you to see it. Now let's go through the process for you to do it. There was a process for it. And so here this morning, we see something even within Nehemiah. See, Nehemiah, the Bible says that what he did first was he waited in the meantime. See, a lot of you right now, 2015 was nothing more than a meantime. What did you do in the meantime? What took place in your life in the meantime? What did you allow God to do in your life in the meantime? See, because a lot of times we think, okay, well, I got to work, I got to do this, this has to happen, so I really can't do what I know God wants me to do. We hear a lot, you heard it from Pastor Albert earlier, man, some of you guys are going to travel to Africa. See, so right now, some of you think, well, I have to be in Africa in order to be that missionary. No, God is actually developing you right now. He's doing something in you right now. Your feet ain't got to be there, but your knees need to be there first. See, Nehemiah understood something. See, now what can you and I do to keep the dream alive? What did Nehemiah do? I'm going to give you three things real quick that we see that Nehemiah did that I believe we need to do for 2016. Number one is that he prayed. Number one, he prayed. Number two, he planned. Number two, he planned. And then number three, then he proceeded. First he prayed, then he planned, then he proceeded. See, when Nehemiah heard about the condition of Jerusalem, there was nothing that he could do to fix the walls at that moment. He was in the wrong place with the wrong job, working for the wrong guy, and he had no way of changing that. He was not free to act on his vision. But even still, listen to me, even still, in the meantime, Nehemiah was not inactive. He used the time to prepare for the day when God would release him to pursue his vision. No discouragement or distractions were going to take away his dream. So what did he do first? Number one, he prayed. Somebody say, he prayed. Prayed. Look at your neighbor say, he prayed. Prayed. Listen to me. Prayer is critical to vision development. Prayer is critical to vision development. See, here's why. We see what we are often looking for, and we often miss what we don't expect. I'm going to say that one more time. We see what we are often looking for. We often miss what we don't expect. Are you saying, well, what do you mean, Pastor? Of course I see it. I'm looking for it. I'm, I'm going after it. Well, years ago, we used to have our, our drama that we used to travel with a lot. And we used to uh, travel all over uh, the country, all over the world, actually, with, it, with the drama Shotgun. 
How many were here for shotgun a couple months ago? Well, that took a lot of work to do that. I mean, a lot of work, a lot of finances, a lot of effort. Imagine traveling with that thing. I mean, it was, whoo, my gosh. One time, we went to the city called Elko, Nevada. And we went to Elko, Nevada. We were there, and it was snowing. Beautiful place, beautiful uh, city, just great people, awesome. And we were there in Elko, Nevada, and I remember we arrived at night. Now, the thing about Elko, Nevada is that the city was here, and everyone else lived outside the city, so they lived in cabins. So I remember they said, oh, you guys are going to be staying over here. I was about 19, 20 years old. You guys are going to stay over here. Oh, okay, cool, great. So we went to this man's cabin. Oh, my gosh, it was beautiful. It looked like something out of the movies. Had the fireplace, had the elk over the fireplace. He had deer all over the place. I mean, I walked in just like scratching myself. You know, I feel like a man's man right now. I was just like, it was a manly cabin. Like, I just feel like killing something right now. Yeah. It was about 8 o'clock, and I remember we sat down. We were starting to eat, just kicking back by the fireplace. No TV. There's no TV, so we're just talking. And as we're talking, one of the guys all of a sudden gets up and he says, hey, let's go snowboarding. And I looked at him. I looked at the window. I was like, boy, you've been smoking way too much crack. There ain't no way. I mean, it's, it was freezing out there. And I mean freezing. And we had already been walking outside uh, during the day. And it was cold during the day. So, and I, so I remember walking going, well, wait a second, we ain't got no snowboards, there ain't no way we're going to go out there, you're just going to go out there and just kind of, you know, go on the backside, and my clothes are going to get wet, so I already foreseen it in my head, I was like, no, nah, there's no snowboards, my, my jacket's going to get wet, you guys go, so there was about 10 of us, and about 8 of the guys went, they all went, now in my mind, I'm like, they ain't never going to find no snowboards, it's never going to happen, so I'm just sitting back there, drinking my hot chocolate, thinking about what I'm going to kill the next day, you know. I'm just there, just kicking me. An hour went by, two hours went by. I thought for sure, like, there's just no way they're going to find anything. It's dark. There's no lights out there. We're in the middle of nowhere. It's a cabin. They come back. All of them had snowboards. I remember asking her, I go, wait a second. I was out there earlier in the day, and I seen no snowboards. Where'd you guys get the snowboards? And they said, oh, we just went over the hill, and they were all right there. you got to be kidding me. How in the world did these guys find it? See, I went throughout the day. I wasn't looking for snowboards. That's not what I was looking for. They went out there with the purpose and the intent for snowboards. So when they went looking for it, they saw it. See, what prayer does, prayer keeps you looking for it. So that there's no way that you could ever miss it. There is no way that you are going to miss the opportunity that God brings your way. So when you're in prayer, you'll be able to see it. That's why sometimes you'll see some people say, man, can't you see that? And other people go, I don't see a thing. Because those people have been in prayer. Those people have been, have been in mourning. Those people have been in fasting, believing that, man, I know that the promises of God are going to happen in my family. I know that I know that I know that God gave me the promise five years ago, but I still see it. Why? Because I've been in prayer. I've been praying. Look at your neighbor and say, have you been praying? See, prayer keeps the burden fresh. Prayer keeps our eyes and hearts sensitive to the expectancy 
I, re- I remember the, the first time I had my child, Stevie, it was eight years ago. And I remember my, my first child, I was getting text message after text message. My wife was in the hospital. Did she have it yet? Did she have it? Did she have the baby yet? I'm like, I don't know. Don't ask me. Ask her. I'm not the one carrying the thing. Like, I don't, I don't know. People just, every five minutes, is the baby here yet? Is he here yet? I'm like, oh, my God. Just overwhelming. Why? Because there was an expectancy. You got to pray for the opportunity. See, Nehemiah understood this. He was a man with a vision, not just a dream. He wasn't expecting God to do something without him. He was looking for an opportunity to work inside God's plans, so he prayed for an opportunity. See, there's a difference between a dreamer and a visionary. There's a difference between a dreamer and a visionary. See, dreamers dream about things being different. Visionaries envision themselves making a difference. Dreamers think about how nice it would be for something to be done. Visionaries look for an opportunity to do something about it. See, that's why when you come to this church and you hear so much about reaching the lost, because, listen, we are not a 1-800 commercial. That's, we're not a 1-800 commercial because 1-800 says, give us your money and we'll do something with your money. We say, no, 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 no. We are going to do something about it. We want you to get on that prayer bus and pray with us. We want you to come and pray with us every night right here. Get on our knees. Monday through Friday of next week, and let's pray together. See, we're not the kind of church that just says, oh, man, just, just come on Sunday and everything will be great. Listen, if you come on Sunday, that's a good start. That's a good place to, to begin with, but I want you to know something. God doesn't just want your Sundays. He doesn't want just your Mondays. See, this, this is where it starts getting a little bit like, oh, man, well, hold on one second. Like, well, God, like, don't you know I got stuff to do? Don't you understand? Put it, this is the best way I could think of because even in the parables of the Bible, Jesus himself puts it the same way. Much like our relationship with God is much like our relationship for those of us that are married. It's the same way because we make a commitment. See, that's why people sometimes when it comes to church are like, oh, it's a commitment, man. I got I to gotta show up at 1 o'clock? That's so early. We're like the latest church ever to meet, <laughs> ever. <laughs> uh, well, unless, well, the Anugras, they meet at 5 o'clock. I think they meet at 5. Like, all right, that's later than us, but I'm still like, I mean, I mean, think about it. One day a week, one day a week. Can you imagine, now think of it for those of you that are married couples. Can you imagine just seeing your husband or wife one day a week? You think you would be married after two weeks? I know I wouldn't be. I'm like no way. Like okay, that's, look, if you're not gonna be here Monday through Saturday, we ain't gonna have this, right? Like that just it doesn't make any sense. But somehow, some way, we have made sense of it with our relationship with God. We've made sense of it. We've been able to justify that. When God's saying, "Listen, this is what I want. I don't want your church attendance. I want your heart." Amen. See, and when you give God your heart. Then you will get the opportunity. The opportunity that Nehemiah understood. He said, listen, I want to rebuild these walls, but I know it doesn't just take this one-time prayer. It was a consistent prayer. He prayed for an opportunity, and he also prayed for favor. Somebody say favor. See, Nehemiah wanted 
wanted to the king to feel something that when he heard about the condition of the Jews. Now, this is the thing. It was a long shot. It was a Hail Mary for those of you football fans. I mean, it wasn't just going to happen because, remember, he's coming to the king, and it's the king's job to do something about it. Here he was. He wasn't the king. He wasn't even somebody that can really make up any military plans. He was just a cupbearer. What, 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 what right position does he have? It was a long shot. He said, listen, I, I know I don't have no position. I know nobody really hears me. I, I know I'm just a nobody. But God put something inside of me. God gave me something. And it's a long shot. But hey, I'm telling you, there's something that's been burdening inside of me. Something that's just been getting at me. You, you know how when we went into the LTA, when we went into the LTA, it was because somebody came to me and just said, hey, pastor, man, we got to do something about the LTA. We got to do, man, we got to get into the, the LTA is getting worse. Man, we got to go into South Garden. It's, it's getting worse over here. We got to go over there, Mount Eden, man, it's getting worse. Things are happening over here. Man, we got to go over here. And there became a burden. And when the burden came, you know what I said? I said, okay, just wait. Now, nobody likes to hear it. But all of a sudden, prayer began to happen. Prayer began, and as prayer began to happen, all of a sudden he says, let us find favor. Let us find favor. See, some of you right now, you have something inside of you. You say, man, I can't wait for this to happen. But what you need to pray for is pray for favor. Pray for favor. That when you show up to your job, when you show up to your families, when you show up to that situation, you're going to find favor. Now, this is very important. Nehemiah didn't want favor for himself. He wanted favor for the people around him. It's very important, see, because right away, right away, we can make this a selfish prayer and say, well, God, bless me, bless me. Nehemiah said, no, 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 bless my people. Bless the people around me. Look at the ones that are all around. Look at what's going on here. We need to rebuild the walls. Listen to me. I know many of you, you're not from Hayward, but you're from the Bay Area. And when you come around and you see San Francisco, and when you see Oakland, and when you see Union City and Fremont and Newark, and you see all these different areas, doesn't it burden you? Doesn't it get you, especially when you watch the news and, and maybe you're, you're living in Union City, but you grew up in Oakland, or, or maybe you're living in Hayward, but you, you, you grew up in San Francisco, and, and you watch the news, and when you watch the news, you go, man, somebody should do something. I'm from there. Guess what? You're the Nehemiah. That's you. There's a burden happening. See, now me, myself, I'm not from the city. I'm not from San Francisco, but whenever I watch and I see the news, and I see that, I, I get burdened. I really get I'm like, oh, man, come on. Because really, uh, uh, one day, this is my prayer. I'm, I'm giving you, I'm disclosing to you guys my, my, uh, my neology right here, what I do in my prayer. I pray for San Francisco. And one day, we might send a team there. I don't know. I want to send a team to San Francisco. And the reason why, because San Francisco is huge, humongous. I mean, it's so huge, they just put people on top of people on top of people on top of people on top of people. It's just like, well, we ain't got no more room, so let's just stack them. Let's just keep putting them on top of each other. Like, oh, my gosh. Seeing rooms and the rent. See, right away, if you were to look at that, right, the rent is sky high over there. A one-bedroom was like, I think, 3200 <laughs> Crazy, huh? See, right away, some of you from San Francisco, I'm going to go. Rent 3200 Oh, maybe she's going to go. I ain't going to go. See, because it changed everything, right? The reality of what the world has done changes everything. However, 
for Nehemiah, he knew that rebuilding the walls was going to be expensive. He knew that. Like, you just can't come and say, we're going to rebuild these walls. Who's going to pay for it? Who's going to build it? Who's going to work? Like, you can't just, like, all of a sudden, yeah, no, you got to really, okay, I got to think about this. And so believe me, I have been praying for San Francisco that God would allow us to find favor when we get there. Because I know it's expensive. It costs a lot of money to live in San Francisco. Actually, the Silicon Valley, I was doing my research. The Silicon Valley, actually below San Francisco, is the second most expensive neighborhood in all of the United States, only behind Manhattan. Second most expensive living in the Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley goes up to San Francisco. That's where a lot of the people live in all that area. Second most expensive to Manhattan only. And when I mean cost of living, that includes everything. I was doing my research. That's housing, rent, leasing, uh, uh, gas, uh, wages, everything. So really, if you think about that, you say, well, well that's the second most good. Why, why do you want to send a church there? It's too expensive. Exactly. See, other people see too expensive. I see riches stored in secret places. That's what I see. I see the opportunity. Man, the, the, when you go to City Hall, big, huge, beautiful City Hall, and drug addicts right there on the steps. Right? They're right there. They're in plain sight. They're like, well, let's not hide. What's up, Mayor? Right out the steps. I'm not talking less than 100 feet. About 100 feet? From where they make all the major decisions of San Francisco. Shooting dope. Prostitution. Right there. Now, if that doesn't burden you, you're like, oh my gosh. I mean, that gets me. Like, like, kinda, I feel like Nehemiah, when he saw the, the walls of, of his city torn down, saying, God, w- w- what's going to happen? Who are you going to send? Nehemiah was finally sick and tired of saying, oh, God sent her. God sent her. God sent him. God sent him. Finally, Nehemiah said, no, God, give me an opportunity. I want to do something about this. I want to rebuild the walls. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll pray. I'll fast. I'll give. I'll do whatever it takes because, God, the walls of my city are torn down they're torn down see when everyone else takes pride in the in the low uh, the low self-esteem and the low happenings and well I did this and this happened to me and I went all through this bad stuff and I went through all this me I say no God's got greater stuff for you than that you don't have to think lowly of yourself anymore my God is greater my God is awesome my God is awesome my God can do anything, but you got to believe it. you got to believe it. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to believe it. See, after the prayer that made him sensitive to God and kept his vision alive, he planned. Somebody say he planned. In addition to prayer, spend some quality time planning a strategy. Plan as if you knew someone were going to come along and give you an opportunity to pursue your vision. You may think it's a waste of time, but Nehemiah didn't think so. He developed a plan and was ready when the time came, if it were to ever come. See, my friend, you got to get ready. Somebody say, get ready. See, if the right opportunity came along, do you think that you would know what to do with it? If your coworker finally came up to you and said, hey, I think I'm ready to go to your church. What do you guys have to offer? 
Would you be ready for that? If your mom were to finally come up to you and say, you know what, son, daughter, I'm just, I'm tired. I'm ready to do this. When's the right time? Would you be able to say, you know, well, let's pray right now? Or would you go, oh, let's just wait till Sunday. The pastor could pray for you. So you're going to miss the opportunity. You will miss the opportunity. I was sharing with the, the, the leaders the other day that uh, when I walk into Walmart, as soon as you walk into Walmart, there's somebody right there welcoming you, right? They welcome you when you come in, and they welcome you when you come out. Now, when you walk in, if you're like me, and you look around and say, man, this place is huge. All I want is some Q-tips. I just want Q-tips. Can I find the Q-tips? Are they anywhere here? And you walk in. The first thing I look for, I'll be honest, I don't look for Q-tips. I look for somebody in a blue vest. I'll look, and I'll be like, uh, oh, okay, oh, okay, all right. Uh, there they are. And I'll walk up to them. And a lot of times, especially when I go to Union City, uh, I'll be like, hey, excuse me, do you know where the Q-tips are? I'm, Oh, I'm sorry, I don't speak English. <laughs> Happened to me three times this past week. I'm not making it up. Even one guy, <laughs> true story, I tapped him on the shoulder because I kept saying, hey, hey. I tapped him on the shoulder. I go, do you know where? And right away he's like, great, I don't even speak sign language. I was like, oh, my gosh. See, you and I, when people come into this church, could they tap you on the shoulder and ask you how to get saved? Or do you have to, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 let me get my manager. Let me get my pastor. He'll help you. You could miss the opportunity because someone else is going to do it. Oh, let, let me get a leader. Let me get a leader. They'll, they'll know what to do. See, no, no, no. Our job is to be disciples, disciples of Christ. Listen to me. Not disciples of the pastor, disciples of Christ. You and I, each and every one of us, should be able to lead a person to Christ. If you cannot lead a person to Christ, listen, this is my challenge. Before next week, before you come to service next Sunday, learn how to lead somebody to Christ. I'm telling you, I know, that's a discipleship message, huh? Yeah, that's something like, oh, wait, most churches don't do that. Well, then you're not in your ordinary church. Because we're not called to come and sit down and just listen to how church is supposed to go. We are the church. That's our job, Victory Outreach. That's our responsibility. Nehemiah understood that. And he said, if this wall is going to be built, I'm the one that's going to have to build it. Listen, when I drive around Hayward, and we're going to be driving next Sunday night, starting at 6 o'clock, every Sunday in the month of January, we're going to get in a bus, and we're going to drive. That's all we're going to do. We're not going to go around witnessing. We're not going to go around putting up flyers and posting up posters and, and doing all that stuff. We're just going to pray. We're going to get in that bus, and we're just going to pray. And we're going to ask God, God, lead us to the right place. God, let us find favor in this coming year. God, let us get the right building. Let us get the right landlord. Let us get the right finances. God, give us the right people because, Lord, we want to see your light shine here in Hayward once again. Just going to pray. There has been too many killings in this city. Too many drug addicts. Whenever I talk about Hayward, from those in the, in the Bay Area, when I talk outside the Bay Area, nobody knows where Hayward's at. So I always got to explain, well, it's San Francisco. They go, oh, oh, every time. Oh, that's that gay city, huh? You guys are gay. I say, no, no, I'm from Hayward. Where's Hayward? Oh, right next to Oakland. Oh, Oakland. You ain't going to shoot me, are you? 
And when I talk to those from here in, in the Bay Area that know Hayward, and they say, hey, where are you from? I say, oh, I'm from Hayward. They go, oh, you guys got a bunch of drug addicts, huh? That's how they know Hayward. Just a bunch of drug addicts, drunken people. Because there's a jacket, a jacket that has torn down the walls, a jacket that has messed up the walls of San Francisco, Oakland, Richmond, Berkeley, Union City, Newark, Dakota, down to Milpitas, San Jose, Santa Clara. There are jackets that have torn down the walls of the city. Totally messed them up. See, what I want to do is that when people ask, where are you from? And I say Hayward, they go, oh, you're from Hayward? Oh, that's that city where everybody goes to church all the time. Oh, that's that city where everybody's hugging people and loving people and showing goodness and kindness and always giving. Isn't that the giving city? Isn't that that city where everybody in the whole city goes to church? On it? Man, that's crazy. You go to that city? Yeah. That's the church that I go to. That's the city that I live in, where God is the light of this city. Not everything and everyone else, but God is the light of this city. And we proclaim it. We proclaim it. And we proclaim it through his people. Come on, if you believe that, give the Lord a hand of praise. See, vision without action is a daydream, and action without vision is just a nightmare. Don't miss it. Envisioning the future and planning for it are parts of the availability process. As they come to the piano here this morning, I conclude here this morning. Why should God bring an opportunity our way if we are not in a position to take advantage of it? Put it this way. If you were God, would you give you an opportunity? Would you give you an opportunity? Do you think you'd be ready for it? See, a lot of times, I hear a lot of people all the time say, man, all I need is to strike it rich. I'll just win the lotto, I'll scratch it, I'm going to get a million dollars, that's how I'm going to make it. I hear that a lot. I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't know how to handle $10, there ain't no way you're going to be able to handle $10 million. No, it's different, it's different. No, it's not. It's not different. The heart is deceitfully wicked. I'm telling you, it's not different. You may think it's different, but I'm telling you, from the Word of God, and also, if you, even if you just take the Word of God out of it, past experiences of those who have gotten millions overnight, less than 2% still even have it because they don't know how to handle it. They never prayed for the opportunity. It just came, and they, oh, I wasn't ready for that. I thought, oh, what, what, what happened here? See, this is exactly why even many times when people want to get married, we always tell them, just wait. Pray about it. No, 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 but I love her, and, and, and she loves me. We love each other. I'm going to tell you right now, love ain't going to keep you. If you think it's just about love, and if we're honest, most singles think of love as sex. When you're single. Oh, we, we love, oh, man, we love each other. We get, we, she holds me. You, you just don't know the way that she holds me. She has a special hold on me. Keep going like that. She really going to have a hold on you. So you got to learn what it is to wait. In the process, don't be inactive. Pray. Plan. Make a plan. Make a strategy. Get something together. Ask God. Say, God, give me something that would help me rebuild these walls. I close with this. Years ago, 
myself and my wife, when we got together, we, we, we were actually dating. We dated for two years before we got married. And then when we got married, we went on a honeymoon, came back. One week, we were married, and we moved to San Diego. Now, right away, a lot of people said, well, why would you do that? Moving away? That was what God had for us. Now, I'll be honest. The plan was one year in San Diego. That was the plan. One year in San Diego. If God moves, maybe two. That sounds funny, huh, if God moves. That was really man, because maybe two. We were there in San Diego for three years. In that time... Me and my wife, we almost went to a few other cities. A few other cities. One time in particular, I can tell you right now, we almost went to New York. We're going to go to New York. They're going to send us to New York. We're getting ready to go to New York. Something came up. And you know what happened? Full disclosure, it was a character flaw in me. I had a character flaw. And I'll never forget, Pastor Sonny sat me down and began to talk to me. He said, hey, do you see this? Do you see this? And I was sitting there going, oh, my gosh. First thing in my mind right away, being young and learning, I thought, well, I'm not going to New York. I missed the opportunity. That's what I thought. I missed it. We could have went to New York. Been out there. The East Coast. I love the East Coast. What up, son? I could do this, yo. East Coast is nice. It's beautiful. It's cold. That was probably the only part of it. But I could pray. Amen. So the first thing I thought of, I said, well, I'm not going to New York. Sure enough, didn't go to New York. So I thought, man, missed it. We were there for three years. All of a sudden, God says, okay, now you're going to go to L.A. L.A. Like, oh, come on, man. Nothing about me screams L.A. I mean, when I, when I go there, I'll be very honest. When I go there, they know exactly who I am. They know who I am in, in L.A. Even people who don't even go to church know who I am. I'm dead serious. They go, oh, there's that Giants fan. You know, because when I lived in L.A., I'd be rocking Giants, rocking Niners. You know, I was even this close to rocking the Raiders. I was defending the Raiders down there. Did you know that? Ask the UTC. I really would because I got so sick and tired of them clowning on the bay. I'm dead serious. So see, I helped you guys. I helped you. But they were because they clown. I'm t- for those of you that you have family down there, you know that they just try to clown us all the time. Right? They clown us all the time. Ah, oh, you guys, well, the Raiders don't even belong there. That's what they would say. They don't even belong. They're on loan. So finally I just got mad like, well, listen, the Raiders left you. The Rams left you. The Chargers left you. Everybody left you. Nobody loves you. I was, I was clowning. It was, it was, I had a good time. So being there, I mean, why would I be in L.A.? Even when I talk, we don't sound like them. Matter of fact, even one of the ladies came up to my wife. True story. One of the ladies came up to my wife. You know, we're from the Bay. We grew up here. This is what we know. One of the ladies came up to my wife and go, why do you talk like that? And my wife's like, uh, excuse me? I think she did that with her hands too. Excuse me? 
what do you mean? She said, why do you talk like you're black? You ain't black. Right? True story. We're just different. We're just, like, I, don't, I didn't even know there was a way to talk black or white or brown or yellow or purple. or I didn't know. So in my mind, see, all these things are happening. And in my mind, I'm like, man, we don't fit. We don't fit here. What's going on? God, what are you doing with me? What are you doing with us? What is going on here? And see, you can be in a time and a season where you're even questioning, why am I feeling like this? I don't fit right right here. This doesn't make any sense. Well, why can't I be over there? Or why can't I do this? Or why can't you just give me this money? Or why can't you just give me this job? Or why can't I just be like this? Why can't all my family just be saved already? Why can't it be like this? And God says, no, wait. Oh, that's frustrating. It's frustrating to be waiting in the meantime. What do I do? And if you're like me, I got to do something. Like, I got to do, I can't, like, like, even me, when I eat, I got to watch TV. I got to do something. Okay, I got to tell my kid, like, I can't just eat. Like, that's boring. <laughs> and if you know me, that's like, I, okay, let's talk. Let's do, I got to do, like, a couple things. Like, I have to do something. So when God was telling me, when you're in San Diego and you're in L.A., do nothing. Oh, frustrating. So frustrated. Until finally, I'll never forget, one day, there in the chapel, the UTC in L.A., and I began to pray. And I began to pray. I began to pray. And God said, okay, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? I said, well, I, I thought I was. God said, no, you're not ready. Then I get back in the chapel. I get to pray. I get to pray and get to pray. God said, are you ready? Well, yeah, I think I am. Goes, no, you're not ready. Then get back in the chapel. get praying and praying and praying. Finally, God says, are you ready? I said, yes, God, I'm ready. Wherever you want me to go, this is okay. Get ready. You're going back to the Bay Area. You're going to Hayward. So, oh man, something inside of me began to burn, and I felt like Nehemiah said, Oh my gosh, all this fasting, all this praying, all this mourning, all this crying. God, there was a purpose inside of it. It took six years, but finally happened. See, some of you right now, you say, man, I've been praying for a long time, long time. Keep praying. Why can't it just happen right now? I said, no, just wait. Just wait. People are going to mock you. People are going to ridicule you. People are going to make fun of you. People are going to talk behind your back, even though, even though they're standing in front of you. People are going to stand right in front of you and talk behind your back. Hey, how you doing? Hey, <laughs> you ain't doing good at all. Hey, you can do it. <laughs> he ain't never going to do it. He's got problems. They're going to stand right in front of you and make fun of you. But can you endure it? Because remember, it's not for you. It's for those around you. It's for the children and the, your children's children. Some of you ain't even grandparents yet. You need to start praying for your grandchild right now. You need to start praying for your grandchild right now. Pray for their health. Pray for their mental stability. Pray, for them. pray that God would be with them. God would bless them right now. Some of you, you don't, you don't even have any kids. You need to pray right now for your future kids. Pray right now. Some of you, God has a city with your name on it. Then you're going to be going to a city. Well, I don't know what city. You need to pray right now. Start praying right now. But God, well, I, I know you, you've given me this thing. Uh, Jose, where's Jose at? You're going to have an orphanage, right? Do you have the money for the orphanage? Not yet, but you're going to. Pray right now. You got to pray right now. 
It's going to happen. This coming year, we're going to have a building. I don't know where. I don't know when. I don't know how. But we're going to get a building. I believe that we are going to get a building. And God's going to give us the right building. Not the building I want, but the building I need. I want to encourage you. This 2016, let's re rebuild the walls together. Let's do this together. Let's start off January in prayer. Some of you, you haven't prayed longer than the only prayer that the pastor has prayed behind the mic on a Sunday. I want to challenge you. Come next Monday. Come next Tuesday. Come next Wednesday. Even if you're like, well, I don't even know how to pray. I, I, I've never prayed longer than five minutes. It's okay. I've prayed longer than five minutes. Just get next to me. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's do this. We can do this together. We're in this together. We're going to rebuild together. We're going to see the walls of San Francisco, the walls of Oakland, the walls of Richmond, the walls of Hayward, the walls of Fremont, the walls of Newark, the walls of Union City be rebuilt once again. God has called Victory Outreach Heart of the Bay to rebuild some walls in 2016. It is our year. It is our time. Come on, if you believe that, give the Lord a hand of praise. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Stand with me here this morning. Hallelujah. Close your eyes and lift your hands with me here. Oh, God has given many of you a vision. God has given many of you an idea. God has given many of you something that no one else can do. I want to challenge you. You got to pray for it. You got to pray. Begin to pray even right now. Come on, begin to pray even right now. 2016. 2016. Don't let the opportunity of the year pass you by. Don't let this year pass you by. Just don't make a resolution.